Welcome back to Recap, a podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legis- <sighs> we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are the, uh, why can't I speak words today? The... <laughs> um, I was gonna say author, but the, the 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 front runner of our show, Smart Politics, and one of our writers, Anthony Arnold, and our data analyst, Alex Crohanan, and uh, and the boss lady of Pointcast herself, Miss Francine Dash. Everybody, how you doing today? Good man. I, I have I have to know. Are you uh, looking into a uh, career as a quarterback? Because you just fumbled a whole awful lot. <laughs> I thought he was going to say our, li- our listeners should legislate. <laughs> our listeners should legislate. But wow, they're bringing the heat, Chuck. They are. That, you know what? I they to, should. Just because of that, not because of that joke, you can't edit the fumbles out anymore. Like, I, I, they have to be real now. They're, it's going to be real. This is Unfortunately. Be real. Yes. Dang it, Alex. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I'll take that one. I'll, yeah, I messed that one up. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. I'll I won't apologize it. for art. <laughs> all oh, right. So. Goodness. Um, I want to I want to structure this show a tad bit differently than we've done it in the past. So normally I would call on you, Anthony, first to talk about our polls, but I actually want to do something a little different with that this time. So actually, Alex, oh, you're, you're you want to start on a downer, like you're telling Mr. Me. Sir. Yes, yes, I do. Talk about our trends. Well, What's going on? Uh, I, look, I want to talk about something else, but but we can't. Uh, so 75.7% of people uh, of Americans with age 12 or higher have at least one vaccination. Great job, guys. Actually, that, that's not 5%. Awesome. Uh, just the, the 24.3%, you're holding us back. You're the reason we're still covering this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, uh, we broke a record yesterday. We registered 100,000 new cases oh, in a single day. That's we haven't cool. done that before. Uh, North Dakota is uh, joining the states uh, with um, uh, scarily few intensive care beds. That's a thing. I did read yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. read about that, which didn't make sense with it going down. Why are there... Well, nationally, it's beds? going down because places like New York and California, like... California only had seven, like 8,000 new cases this week. New York only had 4,000 new cases. Still a lot, but it's funny when we have to say that as the good part of the story. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. I, yeah. It's the, this is the problem with, the, with your pop, when your population is 300 million people, like you can't, gr- the human mind was not built to grasp the number. 300 million yeah and so everything just kind of like it gets skewed and you're like it's only 0.1 percent 0.1 percent of 300 million is like 300,000 people yep Yep. that's just a lot that's a lot yeah Yeah. that's a small town yeah uh so on the as of the 30th we added 118,845 cases uh and adding uh 2,027 new deaths which put us over 700,000 total now, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think I read yesterday we have finally crossed over. Yep. 
uh, and uh, 43 million, say 43 million, 43 and a half million cases reported. You know what? You bring up a good point there, Alex, because I saw an article. I'm sorry, Anthony, with some people not reporting until someone passed away and then Mm -hmm. they find out that they had COVID. And I don't understand why that's happening. They they said people are ashamed to admit that they got it because, you know, they people recognize, I think, that it's preventable. And then when they get it, they, they, they feel shame. They feel a natural sense of shame. And this isn't to cast aspersions. They feel a natural sense of shame because they i mean you recognize that like you you could die you could leave behind people and uh it, it didn't have to be that way and they feel some sort of guilt about it you know that's normal i mean yeah. you in a place like north dakota like alex mentioned you know the vaccination rate there is like just over 50 and this is something that we you know i think we've mentioned it's 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 a red state thing now that's where this lives this lives in red areas now yeah that doesn't totally make sense because some Republican legislators have come out to say that they've been vaccinated, though, and well, they're yeah. trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. Well, and this was uh, the, it's the paper tiger, right, Anthony? Yep. The Republicans have created a group of their followers who only listen to who do not listen to anything outside of their pre uh, pre approved media uh, information sources. And now you're trying to challenge those those media sources, then you're just you're not going to win. Yeah, I mean, you told they they told them that they validated they spent they spent so long validating people's uh, conspiracy theories and misbeliefs that then when you try to correct them, they simply assume you are a part of the conspiracy theory. And there's no there's no way out of this loop. I mean, once you start this cycle, there's actually there's actually nothing you can do. It just runs itself that until whatever conclusion you reach. But because now they won't they won't believe anyone who tells them otherwise. Say you're Donald, complicit. Donald Trump himself came out and said and right. said he he was at a rally and he said, get vaccinated. Right. And he was booed. Right. My question to you guys, I don't know. If you choose not to get the vaccine, now for me personally, I do respect people's choices, but I would think, okay, if you choose that, then you will wear a mask like to protect yourself. So it's like that that fight is happening at the same time. Like any that that little bit of protection is also being um, pushed back against. So is there any change or shift? And when you mention red states, is there more of an acceptance of mask wearing in those areas or mask mandates in those areas? Yeah. As far as I've seen, it's not. I mean, it's it's that people people are protesting or not not really protesting, but people are basically like saying that their their right is to make the choice to not get the vaccine, and their right is also that they don't need to protect themselves from the virus. And the science says that that's kind of silly but no one actually wants to listen to the science so yeah i mean at least in, in some of the places for, for my job i sort of go around indiana as some people would know you guys certainly know um and i go down to evansville pretty regularly uh, i was just there uh literally at the end of last week and i can say i have not seen significant mask wearing in, in evansville since last winter so no there's there's not any mask wearing and there's not an acceptance of the vaccine and 
this is where we are. So let's go ahead and talk about something else now because this has been enough. Thank you, it. Alex. For <laughs> God. I, wow. I told you, you never, it was a downer. Never fail <laughs> to bring it. I mean, it's I consistent. think it, I, the other the other problem is that like it, I can't even blame Alex because it's literally America's fault. Like all we're doing is yeah. shedding light on like facts involving America's numbers and. I just wish we would have had a better handle on it, but we're not even going to talk about that because yeah. that gets into talking about the big orange and we're not going to do that today. So, well, it's important to shine a light on it. Uh, yeah. We've let it drift out of the news and we shouldn't have. So it is good what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if I don't always want to talk about it. So yep. Anthony, yo, let's talk about the poll. Poll. All right. So as always, you can find our polls on our social media. Uh, if you go to Facebook and comment, you can uh, normally see us engaging in the comment section. We leave our opinions uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll we just like to engage with you guys. So our latest poll, well, this was actually two weeks ago, was September 24th. So we had a poll and not our this is not our Josh. This was a, 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 a totally incidental name change by Francine. Uh, Sorry, so it was Josh. Okay. <laughs> Joshua uh, is a 14 year old freshman in his local high school he and his sister were kidding around one day and decided that she would give him a makeover so uh, he ended up wearing some nail polish and ended up keeping the nail polish on uh, the school sent him to the office because he was not adhering to the dress code and then um, his father got involved and got his nails painted and scheduled a meeting with the school who had reported Joshua to let them know what he thought of the rule. Says he told them, I thought this was just another way children expressed themselves. And you know what? It doesn't even mean anything. It's just paint. I hope they heard me. So uh, while that was happening, Joshua was suspended for three days through virtual school. So our question was, what do you think? Uh, should he have been sent home for wearing nail polish? Should schools abandon dress codes altogether and focus on education? Or do you think the dress code at Joshua's school should be modified to match today's teenager so i know josh and i both had opinions as well as uh jess kimmel uh, who i know thank you jess for leaving your opinion we all i think came down the same side of it which is uh it's ridiculous i think just to summarize all three of our opinions uh i mean josh <laughs> said it best he said uh <laughs> language here but he says this shit makes me heated i think dress codes are stupid and should be abolished but i understand why they're put in place um, and that pretty much summarizes my opinion, and I think it's a nice summary of Jess's opinion as well. So, Alex Francine, do you guys want to weigh in on this one? Go ahead, Alex. I'll let you take it. I mean, so dress codes in the United States are inherently sexist. That's just that's the way that they're they're the way that they're written, the way that they're enforced. Um, is to give uh, people's uh, to give. Uh, administrators and specifically like teenage boys dominion over uh, women's bodies and their ability to express themselves and uh, that and that has consequences and this is just another example of that where we want to enforce particular norms and um, one of those norms is that girls can express themselves in um, uh, in like I say in colorful ways and boys don't get to do that. I was basically going to say something similar to what Alex has said, but I also wanted to say that sometimes having, I've not 
ever been a teacher in a school, but I've assisted and I've helped to run certain programs. I understand why uh, dress codes are in place in general, but I can also see certain abuses. Um, you know, sometimes when the school kind of goes overboard. Uh, but what they're essentially trying to do is two things, um, reinforce social norms and remove distractions from the learning environment. And <clears throat> for teachers, um, it's more about, in general, not, not for all of them, it's more about distractions. But for some teachers, you know, those gender norms are important. You know, I, there was a young man who uh, wore dresses when I was in high school. That was part of his norm. I mean, you had to know him. Uh, he was ahead of his time and, or not dresses, I'm sorry, skirts. We call them man skirts or whatever. And <clears throat> no one had a particular problem with it except for one teacher. And after about three weeks of this, he was told that he had to stop or he was going to, um, you know, have to leave the school. So um, I don't necessarily know all of the thinking behind this particular school's rationale. Uh, I, I, I can only say that having, having been in the educational environment, I do understand that some things can be distracting. Uh, I don't know how distracting nail polish can be, but, um, but this school decided to take that stance. And I, I think that the parent has every right when you look at the full gamut of anything your child could do wrong to suspend my kids over nail polish sounds a little, uh, well, a lot over the top, actually. So um, hopefully things work out long term. <clears throat> but uh, hopefully also we see uh, or the, the educational environment understands that the dress codes, the way that they are written in general, are really dated and um, can cause issues where there ought not be any issues. And this is one of those examples to me, uh, basically a good kid going to school. And the reason why I say that is uh, he didn't want to get his sister in trouble, but his sister also had nail polish. And apparently the rule was for no one to wear nail polish. They had on the same color. No, I'm sorry. His nails were black. Hers were red. Um, but they both had on nail polish. So they weren't even executing their policy <laughs> equally, which is another issue. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I'm happy you brought up the distractions bit, Francine, because that is um, frequently, or at least when I was in school, that was always how it was framed, right? Yeah. Well, you're a distraction. It's distracting. Mm -hmm. And uh, my response is, to who say to who and is why and why is that a problem well if you're distracting other people's learning but we do all sorts of things that distract other people from learning our the way that we have our the way that we have our structures set up are not, is not conducive for everybody to learn we just expect them to adapt yeah very true very true yeah actually. i mean yeah, the, I the discussion around what's a distraction it's always where you draw the line because I think like if you were like if like if you went to school dressed like Magic Mike I think people would be like seems unnecessarily distracting you're wearing assless chaps that seems <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> yes I have seen Magic Mike it's a great movie I don't feel bad about this it's very funny it is, <laughs> it is very funny absolutely it's very funny Look, the scene in the the scene in the convenience store is just like, riotously funny. Like, yes. absolutely right. 
so like yeah there's like some lies like you can't go in there wearing chaps like assless chaps be like okay you can't do that like all we, I, all chaps are assless i definitely it's true do. it's true it's like you can't do that like okay so we end up in a discussion of where to draw the line and we've just drawn it somewhere arbitrary for no real reason there's no there's no historical context wherever you've drawn the line there's it's just a pure cultural thing i mean you mentioned people you know kilts are skirts yeah they were basically men, kilts for him. Yeah. yeah men historically wore skirts all people wore skirts for a long time for mostly for freedom of movement purposes we've just adopted a culture here in the u.s that's really restrictive on what people are allowed to wear and even if the rules are set in place primarily to restrict women's bodies as you mentioned alex they end up like a boomerang coming back around again because that's how these things work <laughs> so i wanted to uh i i very much i didn't actually anticipate we would go this far in the discussion so i had some questions <laughs> that i was going to ask you guys to kind of deepen that discussion um and so i i know this is actively kind of already been answered but i'm still going to ask it formally and i need to amend a statement that i made previously because i i said it in the heat of the moment and i recognize that I don't actually feel this way. But when I read this, I was heated. I was angry. Um, I don't actually think dress codes are stupid and should be abolished. Uh, but the, the question is, uh, are you in favor of dress codes in general? And I'll go ahead and start. I actually would say yes, specifically because of the fact that, like, as we mentioned, assless chaps are not necessary in school like no one All needs to show up assless why are you doing this <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it because i know it bothers you alex keep responding and i'll keep like saying pin it. number what what do you think the n stands for personal identification that is such number. a good point what or like hiv virus yes yeah. it's already there okay. uh, yeah. the atm machine what do you think M stands for. for. Um, yeah, okay. I'm not the only one bothered by this. Oh my gosh, that's such. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think that there, there are definite lines that should be drawn. Like you, you shouldn't come to school without pants. Like, make yourself look presentable to some level of degree. But I, I do believe that in a general has been used as a way to, um, as a way to police things that should not be policed, or at least. Uh, no longer needs to be policed in today's society. And so um, the statement that I'm amending is, I, I don't actually think they should be abolished. I think there is good in them. They're just currently being misused. So I'll, I'll follow up, actually. I think that dress codes and even uh, uniform codes, uniforms itself, I think can serve some useful purposes. Um, I went to a high school where we had a uniform. And while that is restrictive and what people can choose, it does, it, it, it can, some kids if it just will wear much nicer clothes than others. And uniforms, by they, they can't help balance the equation. They can't fully, they can't ever fully balance it, but they can help lessen the degree to which it's noticeable if somebody doesn't come from a high-income home or somebody else does. Those can be useful things to consider, like, we all looked the same in khaki and polo. You just, when you got to school, you really, you really couldn't tell, at least from the dress. There are cultural ways you can tell, but at least it's not your, your clothes. You know, I have big feet. 
So growing up, uh, my parents, they always laugh, you know, they got me a shoe called the shoe. Because, like, this was before New Balances were a thing. <laughs> this was before people started making wide shoes. Like, I have, like, like quadruple E with feet. Like, wow. there was a time where I just couldn't buy Nike. Like, I just couldn't. I would just mm. buy whatever that, like, whatever super knockoff low brand shoe they had. You know, if you can reduce those sort of things. I didn't come from a poor home, but it was just like, unfortunately, like, you got big feet. It sucks. If you can reduce those sort of things, then maybe codes and uniforms you know, can serve a useful purpose. So I'm not inherently against them either if they're applied equitably and correctly. As far as the dress codes, I do believe there does need to be a dress code. Unfortunately, I just think the dress code, <clears throat> you know, I don't necessarily think it needs to adhere to any gender norms or societal norms. Just, you know, sort of like the no, what is it? No shoes, no service, no shirt, no shoes, no service type of right. Sort of thing where you used to, I used to see that a lot growing up as a kid in the South because that was the thing. Yeah. Um, I guess they had it up here as well. But uh, yeah, I just, just that people are clothed when they come to school. Now, for me, I understood where the uniform part came from. And, um, and, and I like the idea of, of normalizing that part. So, kid, because kids are naturally going to, already be kids and make fun of people they think have less or make fun of this whatever so uniforms i'm not against people wearing uniforms as long as it's made accessible to all families or affordable to all families and for the most part it seems like a lot of schools do do work hard to make that happen i think this is this whole nail polish thing is an unfortunate abuse of, of school uh, uniform codes where personally me as an educator or in my case, a school staffer, I would have overlooked. Um, I probably would not have even noticed um, unless something happened around the thing. You know what I mean? Because right. there's so many other things you're trying to get through or get, get uh, you know, get to your kids during the course of a day. So um, yeah, I, I, I do support, um, having a dress code before we move on Sorry. do you have anything you want to say Alex? <laughs> no we're good okay so <laughs> that's um, my fault i sent him an example of chaps with asses <laughs> <laughs> i see we've digressed yes yes we have <laughs> so um the only other thing i I'll be it, it's been it's been pretty clear i had other questions but they've basically been answered by our conversation now so we don't need to beat a dead horse but there is one thing that i would like to ask and this is something i honestly want your opinion on i know that none of us are directly teachers and so as since now most of us are parents i'm the only one who's not a parent in this group um as a parent or someone generally outside of the school system, what avenues do you guys wish were available to combat systems like unfair dress policies and what have you? What would you wish was available to you as a parent or someone, again, outside of the education system um, to kind of either protest or adjust things that you wish weren't being done the way they were? To like, um, as an example, if you were Josh's parent, how would you wish you could have handled that? I would have wished for, like, why was he singled out like that? 
<laughs> you know, like I want to talk to whomever just couldn't tolerate seeing fingernail polish on my boy. You know, like why was this to this? Explain to me how this disrupted the learning environment. I think a, a meeting to facilitate that. And also the reason why that's important is you want to preserve the kid. Now that kid feels some kind of way, mm -hmm. you know, and that's right. unnecessary to <clears throat> do that to children to kind of mark them like they're a problem kid, you know? So yep. you, you got to protect your, your kids when things like that come up. And I would have wished that <clears throat> the father, the mother was too upset, but the father did go to the school several times in the final meeting he painted his nails and to make a point that you know he's still a husband for all these different things this is just paint this is just artistic expression it's nothing more it doesn't inhibit his son's ability to learn in fact his son is actually a really good student but now he has this on him you know and this hits his record his disciplinary record and that bothers kids who are trying to do the right thing yeah so Especially when yeah. I don't feel like they've actually done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I would have, I think everything Francine said is spot on. Um, if it was me, I would, I would want to know exactly what teacher had a problem. Because I've dealt with schools, our oldest is autistic. So I've dealt with schools before in this and, and I have pushed like, no, you're, you're going to give me a name. Like I'm, I don't, don't. You know, they, they may think they can hide behind the anonymity of telling some official, but uh, I'm not going to settle for for the for the principal. You tell me who did this to my kid. Like, I, give me a name. I, like, I'm not going to settle because they, they count on you settling because the teachers want to hide behind that. And I know teaching is a hard job. My wife, like, works in the school district. Like, uh, I know Alex's wife is. Like, doesn't your wife also work in the school district? Like it's hard. But like, <laughs> wait a minute! All of you guys have. Oh wow! <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, right? That is the weirdest thing. So why aren't you guys more better behaved? Never mind. Different show. Because <laughs> <laughs> my wife is a better teacher than the teachers I had. <laughs> the answer to that. Yes. Answer correct. <laughs> um. So, yeah, no, I mean, I would like to see more direct accountability on people who report kids. Like, if you're going to if you're going to turn my kid in and get him suspended, then you I need you put your head on the chopping block then like stand behind it. So that's something else I would like to see is more direct accountability for the the officials and the teachers and the staff who are oftentimes instigating these things. And if they're uncomfortable with that, then maybe they should think about is is your position worth doing it then like if you don't think your position here on fingernail polish is strong enough that you don't want to attach your name to it then maybe it's not a good position <laughs> and maybe you shouldn't report it my kid correct <laughs> <laughs> now i actually want to hit on something else that you had mentioned uh about the school board because i know a lot of people know that school boards exist but I've heard nothing but generally bad things about school boards and how long they take to get things done and all the rigmarole surrounding them. However, that's not actually what I want to talk about. Um, I want to highlight an article that's, that was posted, posted on, the, um, on the Facebook page uh, not that long ago, actually, that, that felt, felt it kind of tied into this discussion pretty well over um, 
school boards specifically wanting federal help because I'm pretty sure one of you guys may have either seen or shared this yourselves, uh, but there have been lots of, uh, you know, teachers, school officials uh, being threatened in things over what they're trying to do to keep kids safe in schools right now, especially things like school-wide mask mandates and such. Um, we see lots of like hate and vitriol being thrown at people during school board meetings from parents about that kind of stuff. And so what they want to do is get the, the federal government involved since they're not really receiving any help. And what I specifically want to talk about is uh, the, let me make sure I, I get this information correct because I don't want to say this wrong. I don't want to look like a fool. Um, the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, uh, had mentioned that it, it is generally a local law enforcement's role to kind of enforce that kind of thing or to like protect members of the school board from violence and such. But it's in my mind, if they're asking for federal help, it's pretty clear that like nothing's really happening on the local side. And so um, what I wanted to ask you guys was, do you think this is something that local law enforcement can actually handle? And if they can, what might that look like? Mighty bold of you to assume that uh, these threats aren't coming from local law enforcement. Also fair. <laughs> I mean, um... Dang it, Alex. Okay. <laughs> no. Local law enforcement can't handle it. And the federal law enforcement can't handle it because law enforcement can't handle it at all. This is one of those classic, the importance of volunteer organizations in a community. There is no law enforcement solution for school boards falling apart. The local community has to protect its school board. Like, the law can't stop you from being assholes to one another. Not, not completely. Like, your community has to have some sense of solidarity and of recognition that the school board is a valuable thing providing a service to all of you. And you all have to agree. Like, on some level, not like formally write an agreement. You have to all agree in an informal way that this is a thing that should be protected and cherished and valued. That's it. It's like, it's like picking up trash. Sure, there's people whose job it is. But ultimately, keeping your community free of trash is the community's job. You all kind of got to help out. They can't hire enough people to pick up all the cans. If every citizen just throws cans on the ground, what do you want us to do? You got to pick up the cans and throw them away on your own. It's the same thing. The community has to agree that something is worth protecting. So no, the, the, like what, the National Guard is not going to roll up and protect your school board. And no, the cops aren't going to hang out. There's, that's not, like, they're not going to do that. Talk to your citizens. Like You know who the citizens are who are threatening them. You know them. They're in your own community. The community has to punish its own and protect its own. Hey, say, hey, we know uh, Jacob's dad showed up at the school board the other day threatening everybody. Well, then I guess you need to ostracize Jacob's dad, don't you? Make him go, uh, that's the solution here. We're going to ostracize you, man. Oh, you, we saw Jacob went out to Applebee's, huh? Yeah, we're, we're booked. I see tables. Do you? Do, do you? See take Jacob's dad? We heard what you did at the school board the other day. What if we just don't sit you? Or what if we sit you and make you wait two hours? Stop acting a fool at the school board, man. <laughs> like, it seems crazy to suggest, but a community has to protect its own. It feels like vigilante justice. Um, 
But part of a community protecting its own is it has to enforce its own social norms. And if the social norm is you don't get to invade the school board and turn this thing that provides a service to all of our kids into another political battleground. If that's the norm and you break the norm, then the community has to enforce its own rules. But what if we're seeing in some of these communities, is there norm? Like, what if, because a lot of people are brazenly showing up, and just to give some context to this, a lot of this is around um, the school boards looking at setting up alternate days for virtual schools and also masking requirements for the safety of the students and also the teachers who are uh, squarely in harm's way um, when it comes to this sort of thing because they're the ones who have to be present in the classroom. So many school boards have gotten together to try to get ahead of this thing uh, for the last several months. And what some people are starting to see is not people just showing up at the school board to voice their uh, disdain for a particular thing, but following people to their cars, showing up at people's houses, threatening people. And the way that unfortunately the law has been interpreted in these spaces is that uh, there has been no crime. So there's nothing to investigate or arrest someone for, although there have been arguments for uh, intimidation and that sort of thing. And so now some people are thinking that the federal federal enforcement, uh, law enforcement would be better at addressing these issues where local law enforcement may not only not go out of their way to protect these people, but may sympathize with the people going to these meetings because some of them may have kids in schools themselves. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a troubling situation to the point where some people are leaving uh, schools and school boards. Um, and um, yeah, it, I don't really know what the answer is. I do, I do get what Anthony's saying as far as reinforcing, like we don't do that here, Jacob's dad. You know, you can't, you can't be threatening our teachers, man. Who's going to teach kids? <laughs> Who's going to be on the school board? Who's going to, you know, do all these things? Um, so I get that, but I'm afraid that sometimes that can get out of hand. All right. So three points. Um, first of which is, so you're, y'all aren't going to like this, but uh, first, Let me mute myself first and for foremost, first and foremost, we, we do not want a federal government that can do that. A federal government that is, that is at every school board and is just willing to crush you for, you know, say cr- crush resilience. No one wants that. Well, we don't know. We don't want it. I think people are just they're frustrated and some people are legitimately afraid. I don't think it's even feasible that a federal You're, response can be at all. And, and you and you were correct. And if uh, I say, if you, if you have a community where the default position is that uh, you can intimidate and you can threaten and you can uh, use, say, use violence to get what you want, your community does, shouldn't exist. Just flat out. Uh, there is a vicious part of your community, and you have to deal with it. And one way or and I say either either you fight or you lose. Like either you fight and win or you lose. And those are the options. These are some large school systems, though. Across that, this isn't just like no a one dis- system with three hundred people in it. So th- so this is the problem. This is the problem with uh, uh, Anthony. What was the uh, Republican Twitter? The Trump Twitter. What was it called? 
parlor? Oh, parlor. parlor. Yeah. This is the parlor yeah. problem. So they were like, this is a zone for free speech. Anyone can say whatever they want, except that as you find out, if you have no rules, uh, the, like the people will abuse that and, uh, they'll just, they'll post their porn websites and they'll just, uh, they'll just make bots and they'll just, people will do whatever you want. Society only works because you have rules and because we all agree to those rules. And if people don't agree to those rules, we enforce them. Well, there has to be recourse, right? Like if there are rules that kind of need to be adjusted or changed because we've had that throughout our national history. So there does need to be room for people to civilly uh, come into a space and air their grievances. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is now that people, some people claim that they are in fear for their lives or for the safety of their families that's probably more the issue if i'm reading that story right. correctly right i say but that's like but that's what i'm saying if you said that you know law enforcement is saying that well i just came over there and yelled at it followed you to your car and yelled at you and followed you to your home and yelled at you um and like i say and threatened violence if that's not a crime if that's not something that you can enforce then your society has bigger problems. I got you. If they threaten, like, I'll, I'll kill you if you don't follow whatever I want you to do, then I'm okay. I'm pretty sure that is actually a crime. That right? is. But, like, someone screaming at you outside of your car is, is they're going to be like, so you had an argument. Yeah. And you're gonna, the cops are going to go, what do you want us to do again? Did he threaten you? No, he didn't threaten So he just screamed at you. Are you suggesting we should make screaming at people on sidewalks illegal? But it does sound like threats. It's like when they're saying, threats, we know where threats. you live. We know I've seen some of them like on right. the news. We threats know where are you threats. Live. Yeah. Well, and I don't those know are crimes, right? Yeah. But there's a level before then, which is so contentious that it destroys the the purpose of the school board, right? There's a level before breaking the law that is still going to destroy the school board and in that gray zone the community has to enforce it so this is not illegal we're not breaking the law but this is you are breaking an informal rule of the school board right you are breaking the rules of the school board the school board meeting is this must be orderly if you don't get to talk and let's say unless let's say unless given explicit permission you're talking without permission you get shown the door right that's a and good the community question. has to enforce that. That leads to a good question. Like, why has it gone off the rails? Why aren't these things being enforced in the school board meetings? Because I've only been to like a couple of them. Don't they give you a short amount of time? And if you don't follow whatever the dictates are, the mic is shut off. I mean, I, I have some theories as to why. I don't know if anybody else wants to go first. I'd like to, to hear Francine's your theories. Question. Uh, I'd like to hear any theories regarding that. I, I think that I know one of the main reasons why, and this is hinted at, especially at the end of the article itself, is that like the it isn't stopping specifically at the school board meetings. As we've discussed, people are following pe- people are following to cars. There have been reported situations in where like a parent will throw themselves into a, a actual room full of actual children and punch out a teacher like that. that I think the, the problem that we're dealing with, and the, the, I think this is specifically the reason why federal 
aid is being requested is that crimes are happening, but they're being like overlooked because it seems as though this is more of a disagreement than anything else. And not all the actual acts of violence are being reported. Uh, and I, I want to point out this, we have a word for this. It's called terrorism. It does Just sound like I usually don't like to. I usually don't like to agree with Alex when he goes to the terrorism discussion, but it it does feel like terrorism, doesn't it? Yeah. When you're that, living in fear and people are terrorizing. That that is almost exactly the reason that the article states as to why they're seeking federal aid because it it the the level of uh, like threats and things are bordering on domestic terrorism and they're trying to see what avenues they have available since law enforcement is not actually doing anything for them. That's my question, okay? Because law enforcement can get involved with, you know, they can pick up homeless people for in the middle of a, of a park. You know, they, they have ways of figuring out how to defuse situations. When you have actual verbal threats are people showing up in classrooms, in schools, at people's houses. Why aren't people allowed to at least, I don't know if people aren't pressing charges. I don't know what's going on there, but I don't understand why this is so hard to uh, make right. You know, I don't, I don't see why the fear is on one side of the table and not on the other side where the, with the people who are making the threats. Well, two parts, the first of which is what I, what I kind of pointed out earlier. You're assuming that the threat is not coming from law enforcement. Law That's enforcement, okay. I say, law enforcement, like, who watches the watchers is kind of the iconic question, right? What is law enforcement, say, how do you hold law enforcement accountable for when law enforcement breaks the law? Uh, typically, the answer is that you don't, you talk to the people above them. Let's well, say, uh, say whether that's at a let's say at a county level, at a state level, at the federal level, and they will deal with it. And, and that's kind of is broken if you can't rely on your law enforcement. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we certainly so, I see. But I, hold on, I'll, I'll, let me answer real quick. Okay, go ahead. Domestic terrorism, we are famously bad at actually stopping. Yes. If we're going to label it terrorism, we are famously bad at this. Like, if we assume, and this ties into, sort of ties into my theory, actually. If we assume that domestic terrorism is an outgrowth of society's broader breakdown, right, then the answer to stopping it ultimately lies in fixing whatever was broken that led to this being seen as a, quote unquote, legitimate choice for some people. So then why are school boards becoming politicized? Why are they becoming so polarized? Why are they becoming so toxic? Because what has happened is that we have flowed down from national politics and it has flowed, shit, shit flows downhill, right? It's now flowed down to the most local of all levels, which is your school board, which is like all the way at the bottom of the pyramid is the school board. And it's flowed from the top. It's flowing from the polarization and the partisanship and the toxic nature of everything else in this country. And it's now flowed down there. You can't fix the school board because it's a band-aid. You have to fix where it's flowing from, which is the broader societal issues that we, that we routinely talk about on here.
Again, the partisanship, the polarization, the toxic nature. I mean, we talked on here before about the ability to communicate and disagree. A society that can't communicate and disagree, of course your school board meetings are going to suck. No one knows how to disagree reasonably anymore. How can you have a school board meeting where you disagree about the most important thing in the world, your kids, if you don't know how to disagree with anybody? <laughs> you know what you're and this is the part I was I wasn't hedging whether I should bring up there um, are a couple of organizations who are training parents and I'm not really even sure if there are parents with schools in that district how to bust up their words school board meetings how to disrupt school board meetings and um, this kind of came out when they were mistakenly assuming that CRT was being included or infused into public education system and then it flowed over to this whole mask thing um but since you kind of alluded to it i i thought that it would be worthwhile to address the fact that there are uh, orchestrated efforts by some i'm not going to say in all of these situations to <clears throat> make their presence known politically but i wonder and this is more of a question if there is any sense of accountability, if something goes wrong, if something goes awry, then what? Would these organizations then be held to account because they're, they've sent their people to a school board meeting in one of the largest school districts in Florida to make sure that they're not uh, trying to force, trying to sneak mask mandates in the back door? Who sent them? We didn't send them. We didn't tell them to do anything. We just observed that if you wanted to do this, here's how we would recommend going about doing it. Yeah. The head of the terrorist organization never wants to pay the price. The head of a terrorist organization is really comfortable sending other young men to die and strap suicide vests to, to their chest. And then they live in a walled off compound. So no. There will be no accountability because they don't care about the parents who they're sending to terrorize teachers or harass teachers or threaten teachers. They don't care any more about those people than they do the teachers themselves. So no, there will be no accountability. They'll disavow and say, well, like Alex said, we didn't tell them to do it. We didn't tell them to bring guns. We didn't tell them to threaten people. We told them to protect their kids. And then we just let that take its natural course. You know, when I see images of some of the things that I see in the school board meetings and I've seen them follow uh, some of these very frightened school board members, I don't know if you all remember flashes of some of those old pictures when they were trying to integrate schools and you see people following uh, administrators and uh, yeah. students and families. I mean, it's like an almost a direct overlay. I wonder if anybody's really paying attention to uh, this history seeming to kind of rear its ugly head again, you know, and it, it, we've really learned anything. So there's one group that's paying attention to it, the provocateurs. And uh, th that, that's, that's intentional. Yeah. Um, the, Anthony and I have talked about this at length. Um, do you know, do we know, we know Ruby Bridges, we know her story. But do we, we recognize that, sorry, we don't recognize that in order to get desegregation, the federal government sent federal agents to escort children to school. The federal government sent, as I sent people to die and to kill other people to, 
to make this happen. And um, the provocateur's argument is, well, Joe Biden's not going to do that. The Senate isn't going to do that. So we're going to do what has worked historically and said the one thing that can counterweigh this, the historical solution you don't have access to. So what's right. your move? Right. Mm, you won't yeah. do what's necessary because right. we treat. So what he's saying is what we've talked about. And like he said, we treat like desegregation as we passed the law and then it happened. That is not what happened. No. The federal government said, hmm, we've noticed you're not following our law. Well, what are you going to do? Federal government. What are you going to do? Government president. I'm going to send armed men. And if you don't follow the law, they will shoot you. This little girl is going to school and you can't stop her. And I am sending armed white men to escort her through those damn doors. That's what it actually took was the outright like threat of the federal government. Like we will use violence, but we have to conceive that the federal government had to go really far to make that happen because we treat that as like Alex said, well, we don't want to go that far. We can't go that far. Well, then they're going to win. Well, that's what I wanted to go back to something that Alex had said earlier that's what I was hinting at. I mean, could this be the only way to bring order since we're not really good at handling domestic terrorism as a country traditionally? I mean, it's not what I personally want because I can see that going all kinds of wrong. Right. This gets us into the tricky balance that Alex and I talked about. We talked about before. We're always at this. You're always sort of on a knife's edge between like collapsing into the weakness of the government and like government tyranny on the other side and the, the trick is you sort of have to balance on the knife's edge forever because we want to play the game of democracy forever so you you kind of got to learn to sit there and weigh the scales and you really can't you can't lose because if you fail you tip to one side or the other um and this is the trick and we're not good at it's i mean and it's a hard trick there's no blame on Joe Biden, is it's it's a hard balance to walk. We, we historically on, have not. Is there blame on in. any of the recent presidents, though, as far as this? Because I have to assume that this didn't just come out of the blue. Well, there's blame at Fox News, and there is blame at everyone who's just sat there and allowed it to happen. Because this is a repeat, though. That's what right. I'm saying. Right. So there's blame on presidents. There's blame on the media, and I of crafting historical narratives that remove what it actually took for change. They paint them in an overly rosy, simplistic way because we want to preserve certain national narratives about change. And there's blame on people for letting your communities go to crap. Like at some level, we citizens do have to take some of the blame here. You know, one of the things I was going to say, and I know I've said this to you before, Francine, is in many ways, people's engagement with their local communities is just falling by basically every metric you can possibly track. It's PTOs at schools. It's uh, two years ago, high school sports saw a decline in membership for the first time in 30 years. Youth sports have been going down, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We were talking in our Slack channel about Greek organizations. Yeah. Greek organizations have been on the decline now. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we're seeing people, people aren't joining things. They're not joining anything at any age group. No one's doing anything in their community. And if you have generation after generation of people who do not engage in their local community in a real way, then eventually the institutions that are nothing more than local community volunteer groups, those institutions will fail to function. This is, an out, this is part of what I mean when it's an outgrowth. It, it's an outgrowth of this entire society that no longer engages with its community. This is an unavoidable collapse. None of these local institutions will 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 stand up. There's nothing the government can do. It can it can be a backstop, but it can only backstop for so long. Okay. So I have felt uh, as I was kind of writing the questions for this and kind of looking over the article um, that it would it the the general consensus that we would probably come to is that there's not really a whole lot that the federal government can do without, as we've discussed, going too far as it were. One of the questions that I was going to ask was, even if no like change from the federal government comes of this, would there be a benefit to this issue if Biden or someone notable um, spoke out against it? Well, I think that's happening, right? The Department of Justice. I think that there, there has been some talk regarding the, um, well, regarding several things, but um, the school boards and supporting schools who are moving forward with mask mandates in spite of being told that they legally can't, like there are laws now against some schools. In Florida and Texas, you just can't pass uh, um, mask mandates in schools. Right. If you want to make some bold changes, uh, <laughs> you should, uh, you should, um, get involved with NSA and rally up and round up and chase and make a local thing. Because I say make a local thing, make a local sports team, make a, make a local book club, something. Philosophy mm-hmm. organization. I don't care. Pick something, pick a thing you're passionate about and find like two dozen other people who are passionate about it. Nope. You can like, Kind of like us. You guys are aware. I hate social media. Despise it. But this, you could use it to right. seek out other people in your in your in your zip code mm-hmm. who share as a who share a passion and chase them. Don't harass anybody. But like we, I say, I want to start this club. Um, we want to meet at this place at this time. I will bring food, and um, I just I just need people. I, I say I don't want your money. I just your t- I want your time. Yeah. I just need you to show up. And don't make it political. In fact, the, the best ones are explicitly non-political. People get enough politics. They don't want to go to a voluntary organization and get more politics. So like, like you guys, like hey, we love you love Pokemon. That's great. Let's find two dozen other people in our zip code who really like Pokemon. And like, <laughs> right, it won't be difficult because, and, and that is the that is the lowest level. To, that is the ground floor where all of this starts. And then your group finds another group, and now you're, you know, you're 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 uh, in the. I read a book once called Bowling Alone that I, I mentioned to you, Francine, and in it he mentioned that there were two sort of things. They were like bridging and bonding. So bonding was like we have a Pokemon group. 
and we are joined together in our group. And then bridging is bridging our Pokemon group to a different group. So we bond in our group, and then we bridge to somebody else's group. And that's how you build local power, local networks. And then, yes, eventually that that flows up into things like the school board. I mean, there are almost 14,000 school districts in the United States. That number is too large for the federal government to do anything about. This, the segregation example works because they broke the resistance one time. We, we think if we break you once, then the rest of you will learn. But that was a, that was a bet. They could have been wrong. And if the South had made the federal government occupy them for desegregation, I'm not sure they would have been able to occupy the South for, like, mm, you know, send the <laughs> army. Like, you're betting we, we back down. But what if we don't? What if Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana and Arkansas and Georgia, Texas, what if we don't back down? You're going to send the army next? What if we make you send the army? Well, it's a dicier bet. Really, it, it has to start locally, like Alex said. I mean, and so what you asked, though, Josh, presidents and uh, could give a speech encouraging the development of local politics, which is something I really do think more national politicians really, really need to do is really encourage and incubate the development of local politics. Um that's, and, and local organizations. I just think they're sort of sleeping on the importance of those. I think that there is a solution to this problem and there is a precedent set for it, but I need to make sure that we're all on the same page, including you listeners, as to what I mean by that. So beforehand, emergency medical services did not exist. Like in, in original America, if someone was having like an emergency situation, they would call the police. And the police were notoriously awful at dealing with that. And so through a community effort, several people got together with some doctors and just like created the emergency medical services we have today. And they are now like, a, like an actual governmental body. And so I think, I think we as a community, as Americans can do the same with situations involving like threats with uh, even as far as to say like you know dealing with like stalking and other things along those lines i feel like we can create i don't want to call it like a militia because i feel like that's a bit far from what we actually need but i think that we if if, if we come together and want to make some sort of like I don't want to say a governing body, but like a, a, a body that enforces like social norms, like not arguing over people and, and, and have that body be efficient enough that they can be used and replicated in multiple places. I feel like we can we can re- this this goes back to a couple of things that we talked to about we talked about before about being able to like communicate effectively being able to um, I'm losing my thoughts here being able to like I mean it's just it's part of this conversation that we've had like it's it's pretty clear that we as a nation don't know how to disagree 
it's fairly clear that we as a nation are really bad at dealing with interpersonal conflict. And I think there's like a, a subset of, I don't know, like the police force that we can create that can help people deal with like heated arguments. I feel like that can be a thing. If we can create that kind of body that can help mediate situations where people get heated, threats happen, people start punching people out. I feel like there, there's like a community effort that we can create that stops that kind of thing. Because I know in my own personal life that the police won't ever do anything about that. Like if someone goes and punches out a teacher, if that, if that teacher doesn't press charges, the police aren't ever going to do anything with that. Like there's no way that any of these like actual crimes unless they're like reported and followed up on well, will ever have any sort of like accountability being handled. And so what I, I think, and, and feel free to call me on this. This, this is the, the last question I want to ask you guys. I think we as a community can create some kind of like listening body that can help mediate heated conversations, especially in places like board meetings or other areas where large groups of people gather and we've seen this kind of breakdown. Do you think that's possible? And if so, how would we start it? Uh, I think it's possible. You're gonna laugh when I say this. What you've just described is a church. <laughs> I mean, the function you mentioned- Amen, amen. Bro. No, no, the, the function, the role you just mentioned is what the church did used to do. Like, like, hey, we're not an official government body, but, you know, the pastor comes around, he visits your home, he's checking in on everybody, and you've got some tension with the neighbor, and, you know, that's the pastor's job, right? That The mediator for the community says, I see you all every Sunday. Y'all got beef. Okay. That's the preacher's job. That's the pastor's job. That's the minister's job. That's the deacon's job. What do people think deacons used to do? Yeah. Part of their job was to monitor the community. Hey, you got you, you you got car problems. Let's help you out. You got beef with the person. Let's help you out. But we are trusted mediators who you all trust and you all believe in us. And we will help you sort out conflicts in a way that doesn't involve the law or somebody going to jail or someone getting shot by the cops or anything like that. So what you've just described is the church. And I have noted this internally many times when I hear people talk about like what we need. I'm like, what you have just described is the church. And while I, I do not attend church, I have not attended regularly in, in many, many years. But I, I have come to believe the loss of church membership did not come without a cost. And part of the cost was the role they did play in some communities was to moderate and mediate and, and otherwise maintain the balance. That was part of what they did, especially in Black communities. That's a large part of what they did. Um, and if we want to recreate a non-denominational church, like I'm all for it, but we need to recognize that like there was an institution that did that. And then because of their own failings 
in part, but because of society's change, we drifted away from them. And now we maybe are realizing, oh no, what did we do? So we if, have to recreate we, the thing we already are getting rid of. <laughs> so so if we if we want to recreate, as you called it, a church without the failings of the church, yeah. what does that look like? It's probably like a city council, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a non-denominational church, it'll look like a city council. It, it would, you know, if we're being really nuts and bolts, it, it would need a building, a trusted, an actual trusted physical space. If you and your neighbor have beef, you don't want anyone, you know, let's not settle it in your homes where you all feel uh, we need a neutral ground, right? A neutral ground. Okay, C- come to the building. It's a neutral ground. It's Switzerland, <laughs> right? Like, you need a neutral ground. Um, like you literally physically will need a physical space. You will need people who, whether through their through their deeds or their sheer force of personality, they are trusted by the community. Um, those people will have to serve as the leaders of it. You know, I mean, you will have to establish, again, a non-denominational church with all the trappings, the physical spaces, the leadership structure, uh, trusted representatives. Um, moral, but, you authority. know, moral authority, as Alex mentioned in our Slack chat, you'll need people with moral authority. I mean, you'll need all those things without, without, without the failings, and it'll be difficult to craft without some of the failings. But in essence, yeah, you would need to recreate a, you need to create non-denominational, uh, totally religiously unaffiliated churches. But this gets to the problem with Alex's. I know he's going to say, I see him chopping. How do you get moral authority and? Well, I have, a, I have a bit of a question, issue, concern. I think yeah. that that works if people submit to the same moral code, if people are operating on the same moral code. I also think it works if people have a mind to want to resolve a thing, right? You want resolution, but you're fair. both stuck yeah. and you're having trouble getting to resolution. Um, I think when I overlay that onto what I'm seeing, and these uh, uh, school board meetings is, it's not so much that I want to resolve conflict with you or compromise. I want to mow you over. I want you to take what I say and what I say then becomes the rule by which we operate. And so it's more of a battle of the wills rather than to me a, a genuine disagreement where people are seeking resolution. It's more of a seeking of power through proxy, right? Um, right. And, and so therein lies the problem. Maybe if more people did go to church, there would be a, a better sense of some sort well, of moral code. But I mean, I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there. There's, for some folks, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I think you hit on something though. It's not that it's neither here nor there. You did hit on something, actually, really. Like, the desire for resolution, in part, comes from the community bonds you have. You fight at the school board. Okay. We got real heated there, man. Me and Jacob's dad got real heated. But I know on Tuesday I see him. I know on Tuesday I see him at the bowling league. Then on Friday our kids are in Boy Scouts together. And then on Sunday I'm going to see him at church. I go, man, I... I, I may want to resolve this because I'm going to see Jacob's dad. I'm going to see him at the community barbecue. I'm going to see him at the soccer game on Saturday where our daughters participate. I'm going to see Jacob's dad a bunch. 
And the community bonds push us towards resolution because you don't want to be out of tension with people. You don't want to be out of harmony. Sorry. You don't want to be out of harmony with people. So your bonds, your other bonds help you resolve the school board issue. But if all you do is fight at the school board, then never see each other again. Where's the weight? Where's the weight pushing you towards resolution? There isn't. (laughs) But in the meantime, is it wrong of us to expect people to be reasonable to, because at any of these meetings, I don't feel like I'm hearing that kids are being put first. Like if the children modeled after this behavior, would this be successful for the children? Are you reasonable all the time, Francie? Of course. Or is there a breaking point? Of course not. Is there a point in which you say, is there a point in which you just say, no, I get it my way this time? I don't ever recall in my personal history. No, it's raining, it's raining outside, and I would not court the lightning if I was you. <laughs> well, you know what? I think it's, I think what you're pointing at is certainly a human frailty, Alex. I think it's how we come back around. Like I've had falling outs, personal falling outs with people, some of whom I care about, some of them I don't really know well, but because I am trying to live up to a certain moral code since we went there, I am a woman of faith. It's really important for me where the opportunity exists to make peace. It's also important for me to not try to create conflict right? Um, it's, that does not mean that I'm not going to speak on a matter or speak truth into a situation. That does mean that I, and you guys know how I talk, I try to be respectful of people. You gotta, you gotta approach people the right way. And even when you do that, that might not be enough. You know, I've even lost in those spaces, but at, at the heart of it, you have to want resolution right? Even if you don't like the person, even if you don't like Jacob's dad, I've met few Jacob's dads when my kids were playing soccer and music lessons, and, and they were just intolerable. They were just, they were yelling at the coaches. They were just all over the place. They had to have things. That's just the way they were. But for the sake of my children, I made peace. And I also did do a little avoiding, a little avoiding, but I did make peace where I could. And I think that's the peace that needs to be a part of this, no matter who you bring in, what solution you employ, whether it's church or anybody else. If people want to be angry, they can stay angry. You know, if people want to have their way, they're going to just act out. Right. You're right. I mean, I'll tell, you know, I'll share here, right? Alex, hope this doesn't bother you. In our Slack channel, Alex and I had, a, everyone knows in this group, we had an extremely heated disagreement over Slack. Uh, which is a terrible form for disagreement, but it happens. I don't know if our listeners know this. Alex and I are both opinionated people. I know this no. is a shock. <laughs> I know. Look, I know. I need something stronger than water to take. This I know. Okay. I don't hate to break the news here. We're very opinionated. As opinionated people do, we had a real butting of heads. In a previous life, had I not had this organization to bind me and Alex together, I would have just never talked to him again. But we both want this thing to work and we realize it can't work if we are going to be fighting. So the bond of point cast made us work out our difference. And it can, so it can, it can only, it can even just be one bond that you have with the person. Even one can, can push you towards resolution. 
the more the merrier, but you gotta have one. What about the bond of the school board? Doesn't it bind the community together? Isn't that? If it becomes the source of the disagreement, I don't know if it can also be, if the school board is the the ground zero for the disagreement, I don't know if it could be the the thing that is the resolution too. Yeah. You know, we weren't, Alex and I weren't arguing about the future of PointCast. Mm-hmm. We had a personal disagreement and PointCast served as this, the neutral space that we both wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. But like the school board is the source of the disagreement. <laughs> mm, yeah, I get your point. I see your difference. I see your difference. Too. Sorry, Josh, just went down just like. No, nah, it's okay. <laughs> so let's make a church, guys. All right. Let's do it. I mean, I <laughs> I'm serious. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not actually joking. He has to start it. Somebody has I've to start I've had a, a similar conversation us? with Anthony several times. Alex he has as well. This. Hey, Josh, He's you uh, you you're acting like this was this was your like this was your plan. Like Josh this hasn't been know. going on behind behind you for a while. Josh is President Hyde. I would yes. note this to everybody. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> I've I've been I've been in the running for a while now. I just yeah. haven't had support. So yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Three more years. Title, yeah. Title more episode. Years. Episode whatever. Point cast starts a church. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, with that being said, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and give this a close. So uh, this podcast has been brought to you in part by Eliac Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course. Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts and articles. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you all at home for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye bye. No Josh out. What? Josh out.